Hey everybody, we have a new Facebook page which we will update when new episodes are available. Just search for and like Movies Charles Hasn't Seen on Facebook. If you really enjoy the podcast and want to help us out, please rate and review it on iTunes. Casablanca, city of hope and despair, located in French Morocco in North Africa. The meeting place of adventurers, fugitives, criminals, refugees, lured into this danger-swept oasis by the hope of escape to the Americas. But they're all trapped, for there is no escape. Against this fascinating background is woven the story of an imperishable love and the enthralling saga of six desperate people, each in Casablanca, to keep an appointment with destiny. I was willing to shoot Captain Rano, and I'm willing to shoot you. All right, Major, you asked for it. Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 15. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And as friends, we discovered Charles enjoys movies, but other than major blockbusters from the last 15 years, he hasn't seen any. So as good friends, we decided to expose him to personal favorites and cinematic classics. And this week, we watched the 1942 movie Casablanca. And so Charles, tell us about Casablanca. All right. So there's a love triangle uh, set to the backdrop of World War II. But enough about Pearl Harbor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that one queued up. If you want a more full plot summary, um, so Rick has left America and started his own cafe slash bar in Casablanca, Morocco, where people go when they're escaping uh, German-occupied Europe uh, to try to flee to America finds himself in possession of these two travel documents that would let people have free passage out. This woman that he had fallen in love with before but had lost runs into him in the town and she's looking for passage for her and her husband, who also happens to be a revolutionary figure from the Czech Republic. So he has this conflict about whether he's going to help them or not, but in the end he decides that he does want to help them and tricks the police officer and like does all this stuff to let them get away to America and hopefully contribute to the revolution. Yep, that, that covers it. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah, there's a lot of like little plot machinations in this movie, right, that are kind of besides the point, mm-hmm. right? Like, because it, it, it's really a bubble up story and it's about, you know, loss and it's about these big grand romantic moments. But, and, and it's easy, I think, on the first viewing to like try to unpack all of the little things and all the little maneuvers that all the players in this narrative are executing. Um, but that's not really what this movie is about, right? Like it's about mm-hmm. the big speeches at the end and it's about the here's looking at you kid and, and, and all that <laughs> stuff, right? Is that why you chose the movie? Partially. Uh, part of the reason I chose the movie is that I feel like we've talked about Humphrey Bogart a few times mm-hmm. um, and I, we just need to actually see the guy at some point rather than just allude to him. Um, and he's an important figure in American yeah. film. He's right? magnetic on screen. No, he, he's yeah. absolutely dynamite. Um, I think that you can draw a straight line from him to Brando, to De Niro, to whoever the modern equivalent is, Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I think he's an important actor in that sense. I think this is probably his most famous role, certainly his most famous movie. 
and it's a great performance. Like he he just nails it. That I think would have been a much thinner character in other hands. Um, so I think that he is an important part of American cinema, especially of this era. The other reason I chose it is that it is Casablanca, right? It's yeah. it's just a quintessential part of American cinema. The best example of the studio system, I think, producing something collectively as opposed to the French model where you're producing an individual is producing something, the director, like you have the American communal system of film production during the 40s and 30s, 40s, 50s. And this is what, when it's working at its best, this is the kind of movie you get. But I also wanted to talk about the idea of when this movie is placed. Because it was made in 1942. Which is crazy. Which is insane because the war was still going on. Right. It's definitely something I immediately noted when I saw when it was made and like yeah. what was happening in the movie. Yeah, and that is so strange. Yeah. Have a, a, it's kind of a period piece, but kind of isn't, right? Because it technically takes place in the past because there's stuff going on in like 1940 and 1941, and this movie takes place in present day 1942. But for the most part, it's a current day movie about a war yeah. that's going on um, that isn't really propaganda kind of is kind of isn't propaganda so yeah you said you noticed that right away what did you think about it I mean it was just interesting to think about that they were making this while the war was happening yeah you know I never like obviously I've never seen another case where that happened uh, so I have to wonder how that influenced the production of the movie Um, you, you make an interesting point about whether it was propaganda or not, and I mean, the movie definitely takes a side, but you know, it's, it's, it's the side it's against American yeah, the side against Nazis, that. right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that propaganda. Yeah. Not totally though, right? He he kind of befriends the one Nazi at the end, right? Well, but only after he turns on him, right? right. Like only after he shoots the, the, the leader like, Nazi, the head Nazi, yeah, the head Nazi, and like yeah. throws out their wine and enough of these guys, right? Like that's yeah. that's when the beautiful friendship starts. Only after he turns on the Nazis, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, he has to actually... Well, the Nazi who turned on his own... Right, right. Well, he's actually, he's actually French, right? And he is... he Right? Like, isn't he a, a French uh, citizen? That wasn't... I don't know. There's a lot of, like... There's a, yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of storyline, so there's, I, there's a lot of plot. Um, it did make some yeah. of the elements of the plot <laughs> seem more powerful, because they're talking about, you know, the German occupation of France and all that, and it was still going on then yeah I mean, like we, this hadn't, is, we hadn't taken it back yet this is a current we event. weren't sure if you know at that point i think we still weren't sure if that was just always going to be yeah so oh no yeah for no question you didn't know scary thing. yeah you not until the war ends do you know you didn't know if america was going to win yeah, or not. Of course, you yeah. didn't know if nazis were going to take over all of europe and you know continue on into russia like you had no idea um so i think that because the one of the major themes of this movie is sacrifice right and it's sacrifice that is actually sacrifice, right? It's it's patriotism that costs you something and is still right. And I think it's important that that is happening concurrent with a war that is up in the air. Like we do not yeah. we do not know what, what's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean the bar setting is really <coughs> important to that, right? Because yeah. it's like a neutral zone yes. essentially. Yes. Until it's not that. Yeah. Yeah. Until, until <laughs> um, it doesn't. Right? But th- but that's like what makes the setting really interesting that you have all these like different forces mm-hmm. in Casablanca at the time and 
pushing and pulling. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of the, it's like it is the Moss Eisley Cantina, right? Right. Well, I mean, it reminded me of that. Yeah, it, 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 it has shades of that, and I'm sure that I'm sure it's totally yeah. influenced. Let's pulling pulling yeah. from that, but it's also America, right? That that he's the only American. Uh, Humphrey Bogart's the only American that shows up in the movie. Yep. Um, and then he no, there's a couple of others. There's like three Americans that are in the movie. Okay, but he's the, obviously the most significant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> and the the bar he's. Oh, uh, Dooley Wilson, the piano player. Oh yeah, you're right. Is and then Joy Page. I don't know what she played. She was the. Oh no, she wasn't the girl. That was Anina Brandel, the okay. young Bulgarian refugee. She's the woman that her husband like. Oh yeah, uh, is right. gambling. Yeah, is playing roulette, and then. But the, the character isn't American. The character's not. She right. she plays a Bulgarian, but she is American. Right, yeah. I mean, several of these people were. But otherwise, has a very international cast. Yeah, so there's only three Americans yeah, for Bergman a pretty large cast. From Stockholm one, or somewhere. One thing that caught my eye was the yeah. guy who plays Colonel Strasser, the Nazi guy. Uh-huh. Uh, I read that he fled Germany, but really? then got cast to play Nazis a bunch, which I think is a cool irony there. Well, he's probably one of the only, like, Germans in yeah. Hollywood at the time because the uh, Germans were like persona non grata in the U.S. Yeah. and yeah, so if you have like the one German in Hollywood, it <laughs> makes it easy to to yeah. shoot films as, and, as a Nazi. Yeah, and Germany had a huge film industry at that time, still does. But yeah, yeah then too, like they were they were rivaling yeah. Hollywood in a lot of ways. Um, like they, yeah, I think were I think the guy was in like a Fritz Lang film before sure. he fled. America. Yeah, so I, yeah, I'm sure like in all other fields, there's tons of fleeing Germans. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, they don't they don't have to pretend to be Nazis later, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is the irony. Of it. <laughs> um, well, there, there was suspicions on a lot of them for a long time. Some of which turned out to be correct, right? Because you, or at least after the war, you have a lot of like SS people oh, yeah. that. Escape and yeah, yeah, and yeah. hiding out as Nazis. Like they're yeah, they're, they're still like finding people who are Nazis. Yeah, there was a guy that was like living in Minnesota that was apparently a Nazi. Yeah, in so, Ohio recently, and yeah, yeah. So they're all over. So who knows how many still exist? I like how um, Bogart pronounced it uh, na- Nazis. <laughs> yeah. I can't even say it, but uh, Brad Pitt kind of pronounces it the same way in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, which is yeah. something that both. Pitt and Tarantino would do on purpose, right? Yeah, they stretch the A really long. Well, well and Nazis. specifically call back to yeah. Casablanca. Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> that, that made me laugh when he said it that way. Nazis. Yeah, and well, I love that scene at the beginning when you first enter his tavern, and it's it feels so alive, right? Yeah. Like, there's so many things going on there. It seems like everyone is scheming. Everyone is trying to strike some deal or to skirt around the rules or to get away from someone, something. And it just feels so vibrant to me. And I think that that... Yeah. You feel it's that throughout the movie. It's a diverse crowd in there. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, people it's, from all over. It seemed like a callback to kind of like a Roaring Twenties yes. uh, well, age, which would have been, like, pretty hard over in the U.S. Like, Yeah, well, and pretty yeah. recent. That's recent memory. And yeah. It feeds back into the nostalgia themes, right? Like, this is a movie that takes place in the present time, but is nostalgic both for the romance, right? The yeah. Back in Paris, we'll always have Paris, yeah. that whole thing. But also nostalgic for a time before Nazism, which is the 20s, right? Like, that's mm. before we had Nazis. And, to, and the yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. It, the When the times were better, they actually better. And so to frame this bar in such a way that it looks like this time that we're missing out on and calling back to this time before there was a huge war crushing everybody. Yeah. Um, all feeds back into what this movie's talking about, in my view. 
Yeah, there was there's a guy I used to work for in LA and he was pretty old. He was I think when I was working for him he was like ninety eight or ninety nine. Yeah, I used to help him with this computer and uh, he he uh, he lived in New York in or he grew, yeah, he was like born in New York. And then um, he said he would he'd go up to Harlem. Cause he became a band leader, and he was like a famous band leader cool. for a while. Um, <clears throat> and he said, yeah, the rest of the city was just really boring. So he would like go up to Harlem and go up to the, <laughs> to the jazz clubs. And like as a kid, it was like, this is the best thing ever. And it like really inspired him to become a band leader. Yeah, well, I'm sure and, it would be like the Cotton Club and the <clears throat> Cafe Society and all that. Yeah. Yeah, he, he yeah he eventually worked with like Ella Fitzgerald and um, yeah became like an arranger um, and it was interesting to hear hear him talk about it because he was like this this sort of moment is in, in the U.S. history at least is actually like like a really great moment where you've you've gotten past at least in the north probably mm-hmm. in the south it's really bad because Jim Crow is like people. on the rise uh-huh. yeah but. In in the north, at least, it's like finally this like um, sort of celebratory moment in mm-hmm. the country. Yeah, um, I mean, the, and World War One's over. World War One's right? over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the economy's not doing too hot, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it's a good time at least. Yeah, yeah. You still have jazz clubs, and and that's yeah. just it. like you don't see places that have a full big band every night. And yeah, or even the kind of diversity that they have right in the movie. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's. It's not like a black club or a white club. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there, there's still a bit of racism in this movie. Nineteen forty-two. Yeah, because yeah, yes. they call uh, Sam boy, yeah, which yeah, is like, Ooh, I saw that. I was like, <laughs> come on, man! Like, you can't give this guy like, yeah, the respect. Just call him by his name. Yeah, yeah I, I caught that too. I was like, ooh, all right. Yeah, it's uh, it's showing its age there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so it's, it has this interesting parallel to kind of the roar. It's like the Roaring Twenties, like kind of never really stopped mm-hmm. in in certain areas, and, and yeah, which is what Rip this wants. like out of the way place is right where you hide because yeah. like time has kind of stopped. Exactly, yeah. that's what Rip wants. He wants to to stop time. He wants to go back to Paris, yeah, stop time in that week, and have that be his life. Right, and in the same way that I'm sure people living in Paris or Europe at large wanted to just go back in time and be like, let's not. Have yeah. Germany invade everybody. It's also yeah. kind of like I don't know if it's like totally cleared up, but it's kind of implied that he like did something where he's like kind of on the run. Yeah, well, they talk about him running guns. Yeah, right, to Ethiopia. And there's an unspecified reason he had to leave America. Yeah, they never they never actually yeah. explain. Yeah, I kind of like I like that. There, it's but like, he's probably just like a bootlegger or something, or yeah. he murdered somebody. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> you know? Any of those? Oh, yeah, he just killed someone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Because he, he lists off a few things, or yeah. somebody else lists off a few things, and he ever, he doesn't give him a straight answer about what it is the thing he's running from. Yeah, so he has this like this like darkness to him that right. like makes him kind of exciting as right. a character. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and to that point, uh, Charles, we have, like I said before, mentioned Bogart several times. I'm sure you were at least familiar with the guy before you saw this movie to some extent. I mean, what do you think of him? How do you how do you play for you? Uh, he really sold the character for me very well. Like, he had this kind of transformation throughout the movie. At the beginning, he was this like very callous and cynical character. Right. And, um, you know, he was really effective at brushing everyone off and like being the biggest badass in the room and all that. Right. That was awesome. Um, but I can really see like you know his feelings for Ilsa in the flashback to Paris uh, how much that crushes him when he's there like you know drinking late at night after she shows up Mm -hmm. in his bar 
and like his character softening up throughout the movie. It was a it was a really convincing sort of uh, transition for me, and I really liked how he did that. Yeah, I mean, because they they really hit you over the head with he doesn't care about people. Yeah, this guy's an island. He also yeah. like he doesn't really overact. He's like a very no. contained actor. Yeah, and just in general, like shows like a pretty good range of emotion, even though he like doesn't really go up and down. You see him like kind of fall apart for a moment, but then he like pulls it back together. And right. Right, he's yeah. like a very buttoned up guy, but still like has like an interesting range of emotion. Yeah, well, and, like, and just a, a range of. Yeah. I don't know. You, you can see his inner life. I feel like right, like you can see what's going on inside of him and what he's fronting. Yeah, um, which I think is is critical to the character. Like they're not subtle about it. Like this is a studio movie meant to play for audio, for yeah. you know cineplexes. You know, it's supposed to be clear what's going on here. Yeah. Um, but despite the clarity of it i didn't find it overbearing yeah which i think is the risk when you're making a movie like this. right because he's he's actually like a fairly like modern character in that he's yeah. like 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 we're saying he's he's not like a good guy not um, yeah i mean he's he, or like is he, he yeah like, or is he <laughs> yeah but, well he does like he sells people out like yeah like the peter Lorre character yeah he like kind of sacrifices mm-hmm. but then he does like save you know his right, girlfriend or his ex-girlfriend himself. yeah Kind of, and, and you yeah. know, he was he was running drugs to Ethiopia, right? He was fighting the fascists in Spain. Yeah, right? like, this is a guy who mm-hmm. they they established early on that he cares, right? Like he is someone who gives a shit but doesn't want to look like he is. And because there's that great moment with the Bulgarian woman yeah. and her husband, where he breaks the roulette yeah. game for them, and that's very, that was very affecting for me. Like I thought that that worked really well. Um, to highlight who this character is, but also her performance in those like two scenes, like really nailed it for me. Yeah, and that's kind of the like the like anti-fascist moment right after yeah. that too, right? Because oh, the yeah. one band like starts playing. That's such a great music scene. Battle? That's such a great scene. Yeah, I love it. And it and sounds very powerful stuff. Yeah, they're playing like the what the English anthem, national anthem, and then they're playing the, a like, German some like German yeah. national anthem. Right, well, yeah, kind of like sing against each other. It was the French. The French. It was the French. French. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, they're all escaped French refugees. Oh right, yeah, right. of course. And they have yeah. that great. Like, because this movie is full of these, like, little stories throughout it. And the one in that scene was one of my favorite because you have the girl who was the French refugee and was, like, hitting on the bartender at the beginning of the movie. And then she shows up later on with the Nazi soldier. And you can see her while that song is playing. They have the extreme close-up of her crying and her, like, remembering that, wait, she's French. And this is her. Yeah. These are her people, and they're getting crushed by these guys that she was palling around with a minute ago. And like you can, you, you, she doesn't have a single line about it, but you can see it on her face and in her reaction. Yeah, that it's impacting her, that it's affecting her. Yeah, you can see there's there's almost like a French like Tory party essentially that yeah. uh, the the one guy is a part of. So yeah, it, it's interesting to see that. I think they were called um, collaborators. Collaborators, yeah. <laughs> yes. Or they have a special name. It's like Vichy bitch, French or something. Yes, yeah. yeah. Which is the bottle that he throws out at the end to signal that he is no longer, that he's no longer going to be allied yeah. with the Nazis. Right, but, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, which is, again, like literally putting the Nazis in the trash cans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not terribly subtle. The the names in this movie are amazing. Victor Laszlo. Victor Laszlo <laughs> and um, Heinrich Strausser. Yes. This is such a great yeah. name. And then the woman is Il- Ilsa something. Ilsa Lund. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ilsa Lund. I love yeah. it, yeah. They're, and, and they're 
like these names that are very quintessential of their place, right? Like yeah. they're all super different from each other, mm -hmm. and they're all like, this name is from Germany, this name is from France, this name is from. And Rick, Czech. Rick Blaine, right? That's the most American. Yeah. Right, you might as well call him Bubba. Right? <laughs> yeah, or like Dick Tracy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bob's and Dugnet. Right, exactly. Like he's, it's just this quintessentially American name, and it, and it again underlines this, you know, worlds coming together, worlds meeting here, this yeah. bar in this town, and it. Which which calls back to Bogie's famous line of all the gin joints in all the world, she comes into mine, right? Like it's the same thing. Yeah, it's like, the the like den of what was it, scum and thieves the, or something? Evil or yeah, yeah. I don't hive of scum and villainy. There it is. There you yeah, go. coming through. Yeah, it's essentially right. Right. that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's. Like, you have a classic movie like this, right? Like, a movie... I, I think we've, we've brushed up against this idea before because we, we watch a lot of classics. But the, where you stop talking about a movie like Casablanca as a movie, right? Like, you stop talking about how it... it how, what the experience of watching it is. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this is a, an important movie. This is a good movie that everybody agrees is good. And so I've, I've asked this question before, but I'm still curious about your response mm -hmm. to this one. Like... With that in mind, how did this one act? Just the experience of watching it, knowing that it's you know one of the all timers. I don't. I don't think there's. Before you answer, I, I don't think there's as many like recent obvious cultural references. To yeah, it. they're more, much more closely tied to Casablanca, right? Look, when you say "here's looking at you, kid," that's Casablanca. When the yeah, well, unlike Wizard of Oz right. last week, where yes. it was like. Every movie since has <laughs> like referenced it. Yes, I, yeah. This is not yeah. like the specific moments in this movie have not so uh, gone into the culture. Yeah, like like Wizard of Oz has. I I'll admit, like I have heard the name of the movie mentioned a lot. Right. And I knew a lot of the lines from it, although a lot of the time I didn't consciously connect it as a line from Casablanca. Okay. Yeah. You know, like I've heard all the like um, all the gin joints line. The, yeah. Um, we still have Paris. Uh, here's looking at you, kid. All yeah. those. Like, like, I heard all those, but yeah. I didn't necessarily <clears throat> consciously note that it was from Casablanca. So basically, all I knew about the movie was that Casablanca is in Morocco. I don't think I knew that much more beyond that, really. And, and I never really looked into it. Okay. Did, I mean, did you know it was a World War II movie? I don't think I was also consciously aware of that fact. Huh. I might have like heard of it and then forgotten or whatever. So I knew very little about this movie. I'll admit. But, uh, yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised um, when I was watching it, partly because I had no idea what to expect. Okay. So you came into a pretty fresh line. I guess so, yeah. yeah. Okay. I knew very little about what it was about. Um, I think the most references I'd really seen to it was, like, an Archer episode where they're in oh, Morocco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that episode. Which I'm not even sure if it really relates to the movie that much. I mean... They just happen to be in Morocco. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, in, in that case, like it kind of opens with a bang, right? Like you have the like bit at the beginning where the guy is giving this exposition, but after that, there's like this chase in the streets, and there, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was a high action opening for a romance, right? For a this movie made in 1942, yeah. Um, which I had forgotten about, I guess, because it's been a while since I'd seen this movie. That's the other reason I picked it. I just wanted to watch it. Here's an excuse. It's aged pretty well, though. Like it's aged really well. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. If, if it doesn't feel like King Kong, where but, it was like, yeah. the dialogue in King Kong was just like, this felt like yeah. very natural, actually. Yeah. And that's all bogey, right? That, yeah. that's, that's just him introducing a, a new 
style of acting. I, I think there's a pretty good cast around him. Yeah, too. I mean, yeah, uh, not to take away from the other performances, uh, yeah, no, which, nobody, were, which were strong. Like, every, everybody's very good around him yeah. as well. Nobody yeah. stands out as being too stilted or weird. Yeah, I, no, I agree. Um, I did not mean to denigrate um, uh, Bourbon's performance or... Yeah. Peter Laurie, too. Or Peter Laurie. His, great. His couple scenes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just, he, he like, really steals whatever scene he's in. Well, he's he, such he, a weird yeah, guy. Yeah, that's because he's such a weird guy. Yeah. yeah. So, Peter, Peter Laurie uh, inspires the voice of Ren from Ren and Stimpy. You, yeah, I didn't put that together, but it's, yes. What are you doing, man? Uh, I am brushing my teeth, Ren. Boy, what a waste of time. Yeah, so Ren from Ren and Simpy is supposed to sound like Peter Laurie. And then there's other references to Peter Laurie just throughout animation history. Right. Because he is such a specific Yeah, nobody else voice. sounds like that. So yeah. there's references to it in, like, Looney Tunes. They make me laugh. And mm-hmm. then um, even later in... The, Aladdin? The, yeah, in Aladdin. The genie in Aladdin does, like, a Peter Laurie bit when yeah. he, like, comes back from... He, like, plays a zombie and he goes into, like, a Peter Laurie voice. Because Peter yeah. Laurie is like famous for doing a lot of like horror movies and even Hitchcock films. He's in a number of Hitchcock films too. Yeah. So yeah, I, I yeah. couldn't put my finger until I, I know I'd seen him in the Hitchcock movie. I couldn't put my finger on which one. But he's in. Um, I want to say Dial In for Murder or the what's the the. I have to look it up now. <laughs> okay. Well, in any event, he, yeah, he does that. He's probably in a few Hitchcock films because he's a like a known character actor and kind of plays these like weird bad guys who like yeah. turn yeah. on the main character yeah, in, well, in like predictable ways. Yeah, and he's not. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of a character actor, but he's also kind of the guy that you hire when you want Peter Laurie. Right? Yeah, like he's so specific to mm-hmm. his own style and you know presentation. Yeah, like I think of character actors and I think of you know people that are playing. Like different people like don't have that kind of trademark where Peter Horry yeah. definitely does. <laughs> yeah. It's that guy. Uh, the Man Who Knew Too Much. Oh, yeah, that movie, that's the one I was thinking of. That movie is fantastic. I yeah. love The Man Who Knew Too Much. So, this is interesting. So, the Nazis come to power in 33 and right. so Laurie escapes to Paris and then to London. Is he German? Uh, I guess so, yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Which might explain his like kind of odd accent, because he's yeah. kind of moving from place to place as uh, the Nazis are coming yeah. to power. Because so. he certainly comes across as fluent. Yeah. Like, he, he reads as a fluent or English speaker. Oh, no, he's Austrian. Okay, so... Still. You, which, <laughs> yeah. probably at the time, was Germany. <laughs> uh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> German states have such a weird history. Yeah. yeah. He probably spoke German. Yeah. So, German, Switzerland, Germany. Yeah. He's all over... Yeah. Um, but speaking of the performances in this movie, uh, well, Bogus really good. The fellow who plays Laszlo, I was struck by more this time than I was on yeah. previous viewings. Like, I think it's really important for that character to come across as a good man, mm-hmm. right? Like, to just, like, to have this decency about him that is kind of unimpeachable. Right. And he yeah, He it. seems like someone who could lead a revolution. Right, he right. He seems like someone who's... Who matters? Who aspires to like rally the people and kind of you know. right? But he but he still has that idealism to him, yeah. right? Like he's not yeah. just a leader; like he's a guy that has a cause, right? Yeah. Also, yeah. I really liked um, Senor Ferrari, who um, yeah, <laughs> he's he's very like dubious morality character, <clears throat> right? Right. Uh, and, who, like, and he looks so quintessentially like the 
rich white guy who lives in Morocco, right? Like, yeah. that's exactly what Yeah, who's sort of willing to, like, sell, <laughs> sell, sell, sell and buy people's lives. Right, right? Yeah. 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 Which he says explicitly. He just, like, yeah. He's like, no, I'm just doing it for the money. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, he states that he will sell people. Like, he, yeah. like, he will sell human beings. It's like, all right, this guy that's, has no scruples. That's interesting. Actually, I didn't even think of it till now. So this this little science fiction movie that I like called Monsters, mm-hmm. there's, there's like, a Senor Ferrari character. Like he's an it. archetype, right? Yeah. yeah. No, but the, a guy, like, looks like him, and he, he like... Has the hat? He, do, he doesn't yeah. have the hat, but he speaks in a very uh, similar way and, and is so kind of this, this broker of passports to, like, get out. Right. And, uh, okay. yeah, it was a very interesting character. I, I love that movie. That's that's one of my You've favorites. mentioned it more than once. Mm, I'll, yeah. I still haven't seen it, but I'll, I'll yeah. put it on the list. One of, Starring Scoot McNary. The, I don't know who that is. He's the terrorist in uh, Batman vs. Superman, the guy who has like his legs blown off and like blows up the He's moved up in the building. Like, oh, really looks like in that yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he popped up, I was like, oh, it's Scoot McNary. He's such a good actor. Why is he in this movie? <laughs> Probably because he got a lot of money and it, that's got a, nothing when he was in Monsters. So. That is a good guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, watch monsters. It's great. Okay, you. I mean, you. Yeah, I've been proselytizing that one for a while, so I'll put yeah. it on the list. Um, but re- returning to uh, Bogart's performance, which yeah. I, I think really is the glue that holds this movie together. Yeah, He's the course. lead. He's the most important character. Um, what I, li- I, I think that there's a lot of really interesting, not interesting, but important um, moments at his introduction, right? Because when he, his first when you first see him, like you know Bogart's in this movie, you know he, that he's the star, like and he's a draw at this point in his career. Yeah. Um, and when you first see him, you just see his drink, right? You see like yep. you see him from behind, you see his drink, and, and you see a cigarette. holding a cigarette and playing chess by himself, right? Like yep. you, you see that that it's a, a solo game of chess, and only after it establishes all of these objects does it pan up to Humphrey Bogart's face in his you know iconic white. Suit, yeah, um, and I, I think that it, it signals so much about the character. It, it, it there's so much information in a really small space there that I think it's really savvy directing, and really savvy camera working, and good acting on, on Bogart's part because you learn he's a drinker, you learn that yeah. he is a loner, you learn that he is uh, he's smart, right? That he's playing chess by himself. It says that he's a schemer, yeah. and like all, all these movies with chess, right? Like, yeah. but that's exactly what chess is it's supposed to like establish the intelligence yeah. of the character, right? That's exactly yeah. what it's what's happening there, and it works. Like, and and then it pays off later on. He is indeed a drunk. He is indeed a loner, <laughs> and he does scheme. Like he does like play people but he's also they want. very self-conflicted that's yes that's why he's playing himself it, you're right then well that's exactly why like don't don't say it with that tone like, well, that's like the correct okay, read. I, I might have exaggerated that a bit <laughs> yeah. too much I, yeah I meant, that, I meant that earnestly yeah no you're because you're, you're you're correct about that yeah um, it's funny then that we see all these movies with like chess references in yeah. later right because it in the thing and in 2001 yep. it establishes that like the computers have kind of like gotten a lot smarter than us. We we now just think of computers as being intelligent, and, right? Because they're they're so easily beat humans at chess, <laughs> right? Uh, so it's it's funny to like frame it from a contemporary point of view, right? Yeah, because yeah. like, yeah. you didn't have a computer to play against, right? Like if, if Casablanca were made today and you right. know, Baghdad or something, like there, there wouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, a chessboard, it would be him playing on a, his phone. Or yeah, something. he would like lose to it on his phone. Yeah, no, yeah, maybe pour his booze on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, I think that that is just so, so much good signaling um, yeah. from the from the director and from uh, and from Bogey himself as to who this character is going to be. And I think that that's 
so important when you're making these movies for mass consumption that you have a lot of signals as to what these people are. Yeah. Because, you know, you might have an audience that is checking it out. You might have uh, someone that's not seen that many movies. Um, so I thought that was really effective here. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what did you think of uh, Ingrid Bergman? Um, well, she's really pretty. She's, <laughs> yes, famously. Um, but, uh, I mean, like, I thought all the acting in this movie was very solid. Um, she sold her character very well. Um, I think I got a sense of, that, like, she seemed vulnerable uh, at first, but you could tell that there was, like, a heartier, um, like, rougher edge to her beneath the surface. And sure. it kind of comes to the surface later when she's more desperate trying to get the travel papers and actually holds... Bogart at gunpoint and all yeah. that. You can tell that she's <laughs> like resolute and willing to, you know, do what it takes to get stuff done. Um, so I kind of like that duality to her character that she managed to convey both aspects of. Right. Well, and, the, and they play it up at the ending, right? Because the ending is kind of ambiguous mm -hmm. as to how she really feels, right? Like, right. Like you're not really sure if her admission of love for Bogart's character was earnest or if it was just her scheming to try to get him to give them the papers. right which is i mean and rick says it explicitly he just yeah. says that that's what she was doing but she, he says it within your shot of laszlo so i i they they right so you don't know if rick is like in on double it. scheming right if to he, if, convince laszlo that mm -hmm. she loves him so that he can you know be more confident and be right. better as a revolutionary yeah so it, it it's really ambiguous about it um and i think it goes back to these these themes of patriotism through sacrifice right actual yeah. sacrifice whereas i think in other movies of this era you'll see patriotic characters whose patriotism is immediately rewarded right yeah you'll see, like you do the good thing inside with your country and it's like all right here's your prize you get the girl right like that's that's what happens when you are a good patriot and in this one it's actually a sacrifice like they establish early on that he is truly truly in love with this woman yeah and he doesn't get her because he it does the right thing Rick and, also seems kind of stateless too right where he yeah. doesn't really yeah well because he fought in like the spanish Civil War. Yeah, maybe patriotism yeah. isn't the right word. Um, yeah. But he, he's loyal to... He's like honor. Right. He's, yeah. he's honorable in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Or at least opposed to Nazis, which is honorable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the correct position. Um, but it, it does it in a way that I think might have been a little not harsh for the 1940s because they famously shot another ending where yeah. they do end up together. At the end, because oh. they 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 were writing this movie like as they were shooting it, like they didn't. Okay. They yeah, went sure. through a few rewrites. Sorry. Yeah, several. Yeah. So it's kind of amazing that it ended up as coherent as it did, yeah. <laughs> and like thematically <laughs> cohesive as it did, because yeah. um, they didn't know how it was going to end when they started making it. Um, so, I, I, which I think speaks to the radicalness of this ending, just how outside of what was conventional. It yeah, was. I mean, at the at the time, it would have been more like King Kong, right? Where the two yeah. characters like inexplicably fall in love. <laughs> right. And it's like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. So you're checking kind of the romance box because you got to like get dames to like yeah. come see the movie too. Right. Like, yeah. you know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and this one runs in, runs in the opposite direction. And it's, yeah. I think it's the, stood the test of time, right? Like it has shown that that was correct. Yeah, it and it's very modern. But, and yeah, and that yeah. audiences are mature enough to handle that. Yeah. Right. That we we don't need to be spoon fed. Yeah, it's a fairly like adult movie. Yes. Yes. Especially when you compare it to some of Bogart's other work in that era. Have you seen To Have and Have Not? No. It Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no I haven't seen anything else by Bogart. <laughs> okay. So okay. Like, 
<laughs> to have and have not is most famous because yeah, it's the opposite of comedy. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's the movie where Bogart and Lauren Bacall met. Um, okay. Uh, so who was his his wife for many many years before he passed? Yeah. Uh, and it was it's this iconic Hollywood romance. Um, so they met on to have and have not, and so the movie gets a lot of play. For that reason, and it's still a good movie. It has her famous scene. You might have seen it where she talks about whistling. Just put your lips together and blow. No, I've heard the quote. Okay, well, it's a it's a great <laughs> sure. it's a great great scene. Is it a Disney movie? Or? Yeah, no, it's okay. It's not a Disney movie. Um, but I think when if you compare to Have and Have Not to Casablanca, one of the reasons Casablanca, or perhaps the reason Casablanca has stood up better, is that you have this depth of history to these characters and this context of these characters that to have and have that not doesn't because it's doing the same romance plot the same yeah. like loner guy in his bar kind of thing but this one you see so it contextualizes it so well both within both the characters in relation to each other and the characters in relation to the setting and the time that <clears throat> is lacking in other movies of this era and I feel like that's why Casablanca is so well remembered and yeah. so effective yeah I, yeah, I agree. I mean, the stakes are pretty high for all the characters. Yeah, yeah. The, it's a world war. Yeah, it's the they're the like the romance that he has um, with the woman is like very. It feels very believable. It's actually like kind of they have this like very tender moment yeah. too, which is yeah. not like overly sappy. Right. It's like, right on the border. Right. Like yeah. they run right up. They, they actually do this yeah. kind of yeah. adorable thing where they kind of like put her, put each other's like faces next to right. each other, and right. <laughs> it, it felt like a lot more real than like if they just like kissed or something. I also really right. liked how they so. brought it up as a flashback because yeah. up to that point, you know, you just see him as this like very callous character, and you wonder why he's become mm -hmm. this way, why he's ended up here. Yeah. And right. then like she shows up, and there's some tension there, so you wonder what's going on, and they flash back to much more innocent time from before the war and all that and there's such a contrast to what had been going on right and it makes all that all the more powerful yeah absolutely that you you they, they picked the right moment to do that yeah right because it would have been easy to like put that at the beginning or like to give you that information at the beginning right. of the movie like to have one of the waiters say oh he got his heart broken in Paris by some <laughs> dame and I then give you the moment. I, I wonder too if this like kind of sets the tone for like American tourism in Paris that's like a romantic city I'm or sure that's a significant part yeah that wouldn't surprise me at all yeah but I wonder what the timeline is for that right because like Americans are like traveling to Paris like even in the 1700s but yeah well um, and it, this would have been well, let me think. yeah this would have been after Hemingway right and he he wrote all his books. In yeah, it would have been about Paris and like that. That certainly did a lot to promote Parisian tourism. Well, it would have been kind of contemporaneous with Hemingway, right? Because he he fights in the Spanish Civil War. Yeah, when was and... Movable Feast written? And don't look. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's got to be in the twenties. Yeah, I think it was. Though, right? They yeah. had an American in Paris by Gershwin as well. I don't know if that glorifies Parisian tourism. But... Uh, Couldn't hurt. Well, like yeah, something yeah. that like sets in the mind that like of Americans that Paris is like a romantic city. And right. This has got to be one of the of well, right? one of the earlier ones. Yeah. There's the art, and I mean, again, like Ben Franklin was going to Paris. Yeah. For the prostitutes, but he was, yeah, you know, he was and, going and yeah. Jefferson and yeah. Adams. Yeah. Right? Like a lot of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that was for diplomacy too, but sure. You know, <laughs> <laughs> But the prostitutes, yeah, yeah. And, the, and the drugs, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of drugs there. Um, 
But at the time, what they would have been under the French crown, whereas right, what in the forties, they're they're not a obviously they're, they're not a monarchy anymore. Yeah, they're not a monarchy anymore. So it's interesting. I wonder when that like flip happens. Yeah, I I don't know, but the, this clearly plays up Paris as the a symbol of romance and love. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and and it, it I don't know if it establishes it or if it's drawing on it. Right, like they it, they could have. There are all sorts right. of cities that the Nazis invaded. Paris yeah, and there's famous, kind of, and there's this like kind of youthful exuberance to it, right? Yeah, where they're like drinking and dancing. Going yeah, they drive. Yeah, they go for a drive the out in the country. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind of all the things that like you want to do when you go to yeah. France. And yeah, it yeah. looks, it cuts like Very a tourist video, quintessential. Which is funny because like at, then like when they're making it during the in the movie, it's under Nazi. You can't rule. go there. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you definitely don't want to go there. Right, which it might have made it. Even more heartbreaking, right? Because if yeah. you're an audience member in 1942, it's watching, something you literally can't go back to. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's something that is unavailable to you, and you don't know if you're ever going to see it again. Yeah, and or if or if you can't see it again, if it will look the same. And right. so just a, a, that sense of loss, which is just throughout this movie, like there's yep. this this strong sense of this thing that you once had that was great that you no longer have, um, just drives all these characters, right? Like that's exactly what they're reaching for. Like Rick is reaching back to obviously his relationship with Elsa and then you have Victor Laszlo reaching back to the Europe that didn't have any Nazis in it like, and the Nazis themselves of course are reaching back to an older Germany that was yeah, more powerful in the bar to like the 20s yep, yeah, yep. all this this great like feeling that loss really hard um, which is modernism again yeah but um, this is nostalgia for yep. better things so. right and uh, here a lot of times they were right like a lot of that stuff was better <laughs> <laughs> it's way better to not have Nazis around. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. One thing that I really liked was the kind of the tempo of the movie is kind of set to the the plane to Lisbon. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you know, this once a day flight. Yep. And yep. you got to make that flight. Yep. And there's kind of like an intensity to, right. to well, it that. Yeah, it makes it feel like, very much in motion. Right. This movie is constantly. Uh, there's activity. There's yeah, it, it's similar to other movies where they use like trains in, in similar sure. ways. Right. Like the, there's a little the bit three ten to you by this one too, right? Yeah. yeah, the last train out of Paris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which which foretells like the, I, I was reminded of the last helicopter out of Nam. Right? Yeah, same kind of thing. Like it, it, it's a common technique that trans, transportation on a schedule, right? Yeah, yeah. and it, just that like that moment of modernism, right? That like. That there's this like contraption that's timed and sure. it just goes off at like a certain whether you're time. there or not. Yeah, yeah. The, and yeah, the, there's that's like very intense. Yeah, that maybe you know we don't experience as much anymore because travel is like so accessible. But right, that that time schedule is that was like a very interesting in tempo. To the speaking movie. of uh, accessibility of transport, yeah. is like how difficult and circuitous their route was to get out of. France and mm-hmm. try to get to America, right? Because they had to take this whole route, like through Italy or something, to get to Northern Africa, yeah. and then they get to Casablanca, and then they had to go yeah, to train. Lisbon. Yeah, yep. Uh, and then they could go to America, but by like, boat. Yeah, they. Would. Yeah, yeah, so we yeah. really take because transportation for granted, but in times like this, it becomes very difficult when you can't just book a flight that connects out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's why like Indiana Jones is set during this time, right? That sure. like the the transport as we spoke to in that episode, is like really important to that time. 
That's and, something I wanted to yeah. mention because they have the the map thing at the very beginning, right? Yeah, they have true. the map with the transport overlay. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah you're right. So Indiana Jones is clearly referencing that. Yeah, but yeah I mean, definitely. I, yeah, I don't know if it predates um, Casablanca, but it's the same technique, obviously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, does that same thing, just setting the, and and, and again, it's a map of not of America, right? It's a map of Europe and, and Northern Africa. So it's, it's again, this sense of you're in another place, right? Like this, this yeah. sense of, of foreignness and being abroad and being uh, in unfamiliar surroundings, yeah. right? And latching onto the familiar, like the, the memories. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine what it would have been like to have to flee your homeland and be stuck in this strange city, right? desperately trying to scrabble together money Ooh. to leave. What, yeah. What's interesting though, is that Casablanca is actually like a fairly modern city, right? So, right. A lot of movies would have this kind of like unfortunate portrayal of like African cities as being, yeah. you, you know, uh, like not advanced. And, yeah. But it, here, here yeah. it's actually like a pretty advanced city. And, yep. you know, out, out, like cities in Algeria, Morocco, you know, to this day are actually quite modern. We still think of them as being kind of like locked in time mm -hmm. or like yeah. in Northern Africa, you know, you think mm -hmm. of Northern Africa as like Egypt, which is like the pyramids, <laughs> but you know, Egypt, Egyptian cities are, are very modern. And so it's interesting to have like a depiction at this time of yeah. like a fairly modern That's city in Africa, which is actually like a fairly progressive. Yeah. Like this wouldn't have been that long after Heart of Darkness or something like that, where yeah. you're talking about white man's burden and the dark continent. And yeah, I mean, there are people like born that. during the Civil War that would still have been alive yeah, yeah, like watching this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you're right, it's, it's a progressive moment, right? Really. Somewhat, like to, yeah. yeah to, to be, to, I mean, to be depicting yeah. Africa as something other than what you were mentioning, right? Yeah. Is, yeah. is noteworthy. You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, it's like a gateway back to the States. Right. It's like, right. Yeah. Well, and, and of course, Bogart was a lifelong Democrat, FDR Democrat. Like, he was always a leftist. All, I mean, he, he got caught up in the Red Scare because they thought he was actually a commie because he... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, I, yeah, I'm sure, like, everybody, though, it was hard not to go hard right when right after the Nazis because yeah. like this fear of fascism is everywhere yeah. and then communism rises out of that so right and, yeah, yeah and Bogart was uh, for a while at least something of a leader in opposing UAC and and the Red Scare yeah so I mean it, it's good to see some of that showing up in his art too um, yeah which, which I enjoyed and, and it also gives the sense like in terms of how it functions in the movie like setting it in this modern city with modern amenities like the danger isn't mere survival Right, like they're removing that from the equation. It's not, are we going to have a place to sleep? Are we going to be able to get food and water? Right, right? like that's not what this movie's about. Like they're making it really clear that these yeah. people are, if they're going to die, they're going to die because the Nazis killed them. Right. Yeah. Like that. That's what's that's what's going on. Or they um, get cut up because this is moments before the Allies invade North Africa. Yeah. Or they get like literally them. like seconds before yeah. like the campaign against Rommel in in North Africa. So. Right. But they wouldn't have yeah. known that. When they made this movie, right? No, not at all. Yeah. But yeah. it's like months later, right. the Allied yeah. invasion of Africa happens. Right. So yeah, maybe this movie was even still screening as that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just a crazy idea, right? I can't imagine. Uh, no, I think I read that they actually like rushed the release because the war might end. The no, because the <laughs> the Allies invaded Africa and they were like, let's get this moment and right. release right. the movie. Yeah. And. They, they happen to catch it just at the right historical moment. Yeah, that's. I can't think of another movie that has done that. That is so captured the immediate present. In a way that's tasteful? Yeah, no. right. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. there's, there's like flight 
I think you, okay, yeah. September 11th, every like fight. Yeah, we usually end up perceiving them as too soon and right, and but opportunistic. Well, because yeah. there's such a cash grab, and I guess this one was, but th- this one like is ostensibly about World War II, but it's also just the backdrop to right. It's just set during that time. It's not. Yeah. it's not exploitative. Right, right. Yeah. Whereas something yeah. like Patriots Day or whatever, it's clearly just cashing <laughs> in on people oh, dying. God. Right, like that. <laughs> yeah, it's in poor taste. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing oh. that caught me about this movie was the quality of the cinematography. I don't know it's necessarily awesome. what to expect about a movie from this era, but having just seen Wizard of Oz, which was filmed like what three years prior to this one, four years, yeah, yeah. same yeah. era. Yeah. Um, I noticed that you know Wizard's cinematography felt maybe more flat. Okay, uh, it felt more like you know just filming a theater set. More yes. functional. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of very flat camera angles. Whereas this one, you know, you had the camera like zooming in mm-hmm. and moving across the sets. Much more Very dynamic in yeah. crowds. And crowds is really hard to do because it that's yeah. coordination with a lot of actors. Mm-hmm. It's not... Yeah. And it, right. it feels very natural. So yeah. It, yeah. it felt almost modern. Yeah. I, you know? no. So I'm not sure if that's something that a lot of movies did at the time and I just like expect movies from back then to be worse. Or something like that, but I yeah. just it felt very fresh. You know, I think they're you know they're definitely like figuring it out. Like, there's really good cinematographers before this, yeah. um, but not it's not a, an established craft in the way that it is now. Like yeah. now, you go to college, you yeah. you know intern on a set, you like yes. you have all this history of movies to watch and, and build on this. And they're you know this film language they you know they're still building on cinematographers at the time, but you know they're inventing it too. And yeah. That kind of crowd work is is really impressive to yeah. like have so many moving pieces in the scene and yeah. have it be sensible uh, is impressive. Yeah, the geography yeah. of it is always really clear. Yeah, and I mean that's what I why I brought up that opening sequence mm-hmm. earlier is it it's it makes it feel like yeah. such a lived in space and and such there, a live space. There is a Howard Hughes movie that does this like really interesting like crowd crowd bar scene too I forget which one it is Um, but he does this amazing like pan through the crowd and is able to like focus down into like this little moment in the bar and the coordination required to that is incredible and only a crazy person like Howard Hughes could could do something like that yeah Yeah. he got got the clouds just right yeah 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 Yeah. so you know, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think it, it happens throughout the movie that they're and what, this effective. is contemporaneous to Hitchcock too. Yeah. So right again, like a lot of this language is being invented at this moment. Right. Yeah. Right. So, is there a particular reason this wasn't in color since Wizard of Oz was before and it's was probably in too color? expensive? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's probably a consideration. Yeah, color processing is really expensive. Yeah, I don't I don't okay. know if black and white photography would have been coded as nostalgic. In 1942, um, it certainly is now, right? Like you, you shoot a movie in black and white well, because, because of films like this, right? right? Exactly, yeah. right? Like they were yeah. they were writing that code, um, but I think it's a so I don't think they did it because they're like, oh, let's make this look older because that's just how movies look then. Yeah, but it's it's a happy coincidence that this movie about you know nostalgia and looking back and loss and memory um, is also shot in the style that we now associate with nostalgia and loss and yeah. hope and memory. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I don't think, I think the reason is probably just on the technical level and the production level. Sure. But uh, it's, it worked out really well. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. it looks great. Yeah, it looks really great. It's I, probably... I might be too used to watching movies in color because sometimes it felt 
a little stifling, a little claustrophobic in these environments that are supposed to be pretty big. Um, just the lack of color made it a little harder to perceive like the size mm -hmm. and depth of things. It made me feel like everything was kind of closing in a bit. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of shots of like crowded streets and Crampton Rock and yeah. it's like the opening shot or when she's buying the, or not actually buying the robe or whatever it was yeah. um, in the streets. Um, but there were times where it served it well, especially the nighttime scenes. Yeah. Um, like there was that one where um, Bogart goes into his office, right? And there's a little bit where you just see a shadow while he's like smoking a cigar or yeah. something like that. And that was a really cool effect. Yeah. Well, again, just Bogart smoking, right? Is, yeah. Is it, in yeah, any context. The shadows are going to be punched up when you have the contrast yeah. high and black and white. And, yeah. Well, and, yeah. and I think it was most effective in the end, right? Like when he's giving his big speech and yeah. there's the plane taking off in the back. He's always wearing light clothing. Too, yeah, that's true. Yeah. He had the, the light jacket on and yeah. there's the the fog everywhere. Really trench coat. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that that moment in particular, the the black and white was at its its best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably like the really the apex of black and white, right? Because after this, most things switched over to color. Sure. And sure. Yeah, yeah like after just, World War II, color is very common. So. Yeah, like black and white had to be a purposeful choice, right? Like something that you're doing for a specific. Yeah, reason. it's kind of like the last grasp of yeah. black and white. Yeah. So it's the default. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Charles, what, what's the what's the verdict on on Casablanca? Is this a thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah, I love this movie. You loved it. Oh, I, great. Yeah, Good. I said earlier I was very pleasantly surprised by it, but I was also very emotionally drawn in by the plot, and by the character interactions, by what was going to happen, by um, how things panned out in the end. You know, it was pretty like. It was both happy because he made the right choice ultimately, but also very heartbreaking because you mm -hmm. could tell the sacrifice he was making, uh, mm -hmm. as we described earlier. Um, so, you know, everything in this movie really came together for me. Uh, at first, I was a little worried because, you know, it was black and white and I was having a hard time processing things. Uh, I was actually having a little trouble internalizing some of the dialogue at the very beginning. Um, but eventually, I got more and more used to it, and everything started to flow pretty well. Um, you know, we watched a few scenes a few times to capture the dialogue, and, uh, you know, it all started coming more naturally, and then uh, it just became a great movie-watching experience. Right on. Yeah. That's what, that's what I like to hear. Yeah, you got two in a row. And, wow, uh, <laughs> that's a streak. Does Charles. that constitute a streak? Uh, well, <laughs> you're, you're heating up. You're heating there we up. go. Okay, yeah. good. I, I, I had... Um, I don't know. I, I had a harder time paying attention to the movie this time. Like, it, it didn't hold my um, focus okay. this time through. I don't know if I just, like... Maybe you're getting dumber. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Or we all are, apparently. Yeah, right. Right. No, I don't know. Um, I, I liked this movie a lot. I wanted to like it better this time. I just had a hard time, like, focusing on it this time through. It, it was, like, it a been? lot of, like... Since you last saw it, probably like five years. Okay. Yeah, since I last saw it, and it's a very like chatty movie, mm -hmm. and you yeah. gotta like follow the conversation. And if you fall out of the conversation, it's like it becomes very hard to I actually focus turned on, it. on subtitles just to make sure. Dude, yeah, it, it, that it, makes sense. Yeah, yeah and, and Bogart has all these like little quippy lines. Like I, I, I forgot how funny this movie could be. But yeah, I don't right? know. Like I, he I, has don't know if, I don't remember if I know that. I, yeah. I just love some of the dialogue. Yeah. I don't remember specific <laughs> lines, but a lot of it is very. What I wrote down, he he ribs uh, one of the women in the movie for having her teeth straightened. Yes. Which I thought was, <laughs> it was really Elsa. funny. Yeah. It was Elsa. She, yeah, she, she asked her. Ten years earlier, she was having braces fitted or something. Yeah. 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 All, all I know about you now is that you had your teeth straightened. <laughs> yeah. so, the one I liked is somebody asked about the uh, big guy whose name I can't recall right now. 
Ferrari? Uh, Ferrari. Someone yeah. asked about Ferrari. He's like, who's that? He's like, well, he's just like any other man, only more so. <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> fat people is such an anomaly in right, the 40s. It, yeah, it's that. It's like it's it's a fat joke, or it's just yeah. like he's just a, this outsized personality, right? Like he's just a large, this larger than life character. Yeah, uh, especially in the masculine ways. It's like just a. It's like any any other guy more so. Or like uh, Officer Reno's response when uh, he says, "Oh, I've got this gun aimed right at your heart." I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like that. That's there. Uh, that's um. How like my most? He talks about it being like his most secure point, or yeah, or like, like his, his uh, least vulnerable. Spot that was it. Yeah, that's like my that. least vulnerable spot. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, so it, yeah, it's a funnier movie than I than I had remembered. Um, yeah, it's very quippy. Um, yeah, like the, the Germans wore gray, you wore blue. Right, that was a good line. Yeah, interesting in general. Like the the flow of the movie is on the dialogue. Like yeah. There, there, there are a few like action sequences, but the the bulk of the movie is just like talk, yeah, lots of talking. Yeah, really, it's, there's the cold open, and yeah. that's kind of it. Like other than that, it's people in the room talking to each other. Yeah, lots of like quick back and forth. Yeah, I mean, you you get the the German guy getting shot at the end, and yeah. that's, that's kind of it. Yeah, right. They, <laughs> and they haul him away. And they haul, yeah, yeah, the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Yeah, well, they also say, um, was it like go round up the usual suspects? Yes. So it was like yeah. this, like corruption to the like the right, local police officers. They like saw the guy do it right there. It's like it's this guy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it makes it feel like kind of a western, right? Where there's yeah. like a lawlessness to where they are, which right. which was throughout the whole movie, right? With the yeah. gam- gambling and drinking and yeah, the yeah. most of it takes place in a bar. And you could just go like shoot people in the street, and that's right. like normal. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a thing that happens. They had a bar fight. Right. Oh, yeah. When Peter Lorre um, runs out, he shoots that guy uh, in the doorway. Right? Oh, yeah. What was that? Well, that was a good, good bit. That there. was a good sequence. Very desperate, like Peter Lorre. Right. Yeah. Right. That is most badass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For someone who's like. Which isn't very badass at all, but still. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he's always like kind of like a frail and like meek character, yes. or like a scheming character. Yeah. 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 And he, he was here, too. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, okay, Crossman, you you mentioned before the episode that you hadn't actually picked the movie for next week. So hopefully over the course of this episode, you landed on something. <laughs> well, no, I had a good list to choose from. And uh, I think I want to go to a more recent movie since right. we've, we've done a lot of older movies recently. Um, so I'd like to do Tombstone oh, great. from 93. Yeah. I'm into that. Uh, yeah, which is I haven't seen in a minute, but remember really liking this yeah, movie. So. All I know about this yeah. movie is like one of Reddit's preeminent GIF makers like <laughs> made a ton of high quality GIFs from this movie for like a whole week. Oh, that's a good pick because yeah, Tombstone's <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, that's a weird way to know this movie, but that's but that's I like I first, it. That's when I first found out about it. I'm like, oh, this is a Western movie. It sure is. Uh, yeah, it's one of the like great contemporary westerns. So right, that's still in the mold of like straight western, right? Yeah, still just like doing the western things really well. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Good pick. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week for Tombstone. <laughs>